And so the malls that are being successful now are selling something that online and e-commerce is not selling, which is a social experience. You're listening to Experience This, a show about the emerging experience economy with your host, Tom Young. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hello, I am Jose Novillo. Hi, this is Lucien. And this is Karen Bajwa. Great. Hey, we're here in the Mission District in San Francisco where we work. We're, uh, we joined up with a, um, uh, a meetup here on retail, and we're happy to be here to en- and join this. It's, it's our pleasure to do this live with some guests here. So we're, we're having a conversation uh, uh, around retail, around e-commerce and how that's changing uh, the nature and the landscape. And so we had a uh, presentation uh, earlier, and we'd just like to hear your guys' thoughts on where you see retail going, where you see e-commerce going, et cetera. I really think that, like, um, especially like in 2008, if you just look 2008 and you see like uh, what was happening on Facebook compared to like what's happening now, you just see like such bigger brands right now on Facebook. Um, and what I think that is happening is that if retailers are not actually using, you know, like Facebook ads or even Instagram ads, these big uh, retailers are actually increasing uh, the ad space. And I think it's a really good opportunity right now that even if someone owns like a brick and mortar store to just start uh, investing within this marketplace. And, you know, if it's a restaurant, well, you know what, um, try to put up an offer and to try to get people in. So are you a Facebook user? So I am a Facebook user. I'm actually uh, the chief community officer for Woke Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- sorry, Woke Technologies, which is a Y Combinator startup. Yep. And what we believe in is that um, we kind of reverse the marketing agency concept. We actually provide the capital for the e-commerce merchant and we also provide the marketing. So we really want the reason I came here today is we really wanted I really wanted to understand e-commerce merchants and where they had difficulties. I really wanted to understand yeah. um, the customers today. Do you find that the uh, the ad insertion and the advertising on a Facebook experience to be value add or intrusive? It really depends from a creative standpoint. Yeah. If, um, if a company is just out there and they're pushing the ad ad like buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, then that's really intrusive. But if they really try to understand which customers interact with their stuff and then just give them as much value as possible. And right. the, the customer is going to naturally buy your product. I don't think you really have to uh, put like a bunch of like red flyers and sale here, 90% right. here, 80% here. But I just think that by giving them so much value, by telling them who you are, which, what your product does and how it is different, you'll really get customers onto your platform and onto your website to make a purchase. So what, one of the things we do in our management consulting practice is we help clients uh, uh, do journey maps Mm -hmm. for their customers so that they can segment and profile their customer base. So if you're running an airline company or uh, an apparel retailer or whatever it might be, you have a variety of different customers and they behave differently, they spend differently, and their uh, pressure points for commerce are different. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand that. And I I think a lot of times what we see with basic e-commerce retailing is people leading with product and simply digitizing what we would call a poor lead. Yeah. So if I just digitize something without reimagining it, I'm likely to get some benefit, but I'm gonna miss a lot of the opportunity. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. For example, in my company, Darspeed, I tried, when I started like one year ago, I started like thinking, okay, everybody can be my customers because the service is trying to, is 
making any website faster automatically. And in that process, I realized that I cannot get like, okay, like segments on every website could be my customer. And I say like making that journey and understanding what are the problems that I am trying to fix with the service that I am providing. And in that part, for example, I realized after being talking like 1,000, 2,000 people right. that the real pain is, for example, in e-commerce that are trying to sell something and then get only like a conversion rate about 3 or 4% that for the average industry is like 5%. And one of the reasons could be the website loading time that is affecting most in so e-commerce. Let, let, let me throw out a framework and get you guys comment on this. So, yeah. so mm -hmm. one of the things we also do is we, we, we help the strategy of, a, of mm -hmm. a retailer think through what is their ultimate business objective. So if they're mm -hmm. selling apparel at a bricks and mortar store, you can say, well, it's to sell more apparel and have better sales and mm -hmm. a deeper, richer uh, customer base, et cetera. So, but, but we break it down to a, and I'm gonna throw this out there, it's a metaphor, and I want you guys to think about it and comment on it. If you're putting a game plan together, just like in a sports metaphor, there's offense and defense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people are thinking too, um, uh, uh, too defensively, and their offensive playbook is, is rather limited. So when I in introduce digital or e-commerce into a retail engagement, I change the playing field. But if I don't change my offensive playbook, so defense would be better, faster, cheaper. I get my cost down, I get, and digital does a lot of that for you, mm -hmm. right? I, I can reduce my inventory, I can um, uh, improve my, uh, my overhead, all those metrics that drive profitability mm -hmm and my defensive quotients. But the offensive quotient is reaching out to the market, new sales. But if I don't change my offensive playbook because I am in digital, mm -hmm. I am not thinking through the possibilities. And so one of the things we see, we just came from the IBM conference that's running down at Moscone Center. Mm -hmm. And they're talking a lot about taking the digital exhaust or the digital outcomes of what's happening and using that to feed back into the mechanism to drive who are my customers, why are they buying, and who is almost ready to buy, but didn't? And how do we use that to change our offensive playbook to make a difference? Because if you're a retailer and I can increase your sales by 14%, that could be the difference between being profitable or not, mm -hmm. especially bricks and mortar. Yeah, I think bricks and mortar stores right away, they, they look, they, they, they think that, okay, they're gonna go online, they're gonna go digital, and what's my ROI? When I think that's really the wrong way of thinking. I think that, um, brick and mortar stores that go online um, at, the, at the end of the day their website has zero data uh, and they should really focus on how does you know there's, there's a difference between how do your like day-to-day -day customers feel towards you and how do your and how do you, the customers online feel towards you and I find that if they go online and they see like okay well if I put a thousand dollars on Facebook ads what's my return I think they're playing the wrong game I think if you think of like big brands like uh, like just for example like Nike, everyone is always going to remember Nike because of that Nike check, and I think the best way to go um, to go online and to play like that offensive playbook is just put some money um, 
and really invest in your brand online and you'll see you'll see the return within the long run i think it's really um i think playing a short game is actually gonna hurt your brand in the long run kieran we went to the national retail federation conference and uh, it's the largest retail federation uh, conference in the world i think it's in uh, it was jacob javits last month yeah so it takes place every year in jacob javits center mm -hmm. and we walked around and um, a lot of what we noticed was that retail was definitely focusing on grab-and-go convenience. Mm -hmm. So everything was about um, Amazon Go, right? Yeah. So how do you get in and out of the store? Mm -hmm. And But we felt like they were missing the point, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really tapping into anything else as far as creating a, an experience for consumers. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just, it, you know, how do we shorten the transaction time? Mm -hmm. Just think about also like mail marketing, like they say that the average user needs to see like your ad like seven to 12 times and then retailers go, go online and they, you know, they put one ad up there and they're like, hey, like, well, why didn't I get a sale? Well, you know, like people have to know who you are. They have to get comfortable to your product. You know, it, the sale can't just go from like cold to hot in a matter of, uh, of a second. And I just think that, um, I just think that this whole new space is a really, because most brick and mortar owners are like within the 40 to 50 year old. And for them to really kind of like grasp that uh, that concept will take time, but I think most of them will do them, and most of the brick and mortar stores will stay alive if they could if they could believe in the brand and like. Mm -hmm. We did a, um, a podcast on uh, malls. Okay. So malls were very big in the '70s and '80s, and I think there was about 1,500 built around the country, mm -hmm. and they're in decline. Uh, some of them are doing well, but mostly, and I would say at a, at a macro level, they're in decline. And a, and a largely because of e-commerce, right? Because originally malls in the 70s and 80s were providing you access to things you've never seen before. You could have gone to a catalog and flipped it, looked at static pictures, but I go to the mall and I can see things and find things and buy things I couldn't buy anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, now that experience or that, that has moved to e-commerce. And so the malls that are being successful now are selling something that online and e-commerce e is not selling, which is a social experience. People go to the mall to be with their friends, to walk around, to do things they couldn't do. Uh, you could put taverns and pubs and restaurants and other things like that, or inculcate uh, shopping experiences that are, aren't easily replicated online. Mm -hmm. So a lot of fashion is very difficult to do online. Now there's all these issues where you can put avatars and see what you look like <laughs> wearing high heels and a baseball hat. Uh, I don't I don't wear that. But <laughs> I'm just saying in general, you can do those kind of things. We saw that uh, yesterday when we were down at Wipro. They did some pretty cool things at the Innovation Center down in Mountain View. But we're, we're, we're trying to do and I want to get your sense of it. How many of you go to the mall to buy stuff? I mean, do you guys go to the mall? Or it, it, so you do go to malls. I, but I, why do you go? I go to the malls just like to hang out. Yeah, so. <laughs> for the social no, aspect. For the social the, aspect. The, right, yeah. so, so how, do, how, do I that, how do I grab that and turn that into an opportunity versus, oh my gosh, people are hanging out here, no one's buying anything. Well, that's because you're, the reason they're not buying anything is because your stuff is boring. Yeah. People are going to the mall to hang out and why aren't you capitalizing on that versus whining about the fact they're not mm -hmm. buying anything? I would like, if I was a, a real t retailer at a mall, I would actually have like my staff like walk around the mall and like ask customers that are walking around like you know just start start to interact with them just think about it like you're, yeah. you're on facebook or on instagram and you're scrolling through and boom you see an ad you're scrolling through like maybe two three more posts you see another ad and 
I find like even when you walk into a mall or you walk into a store, somebody comes in and they're like, uh, you walk in and they're like, hey, can I help you? And you just say, no, I'm just looking and they just give up, right? You, you know, so it's like they also have to understand that that whole like selling aspect that also um, selling in retailer, like I find the, I don't want to say the, the quality has gone down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sean, we have a question from the audience here. Yeah, we do. Just introduce yourself so we know who you are. Hey, uh, my name is Johnny. I'm a developer for Macy's. Um, yeah. So I have a question. Uh, so initially you had mentioned like uh, retaining your brand value. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you think like uh, big um, uh, retailers like uh, Nordstrom and Macy's would re- but uh, their whole brand value is their brick and mortar and uh, fashion and beauty. How do you think that that can be converted into like a, a e-commerce or like a digital? How 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 are they gonna come into the digital world? Essentially, how to convert uh, you know the brick and mortar experience into into the e-commerce into the digital sphere while maintaining all the same aspects or? Yeah, if, I mean, if we were engaged by um, by by Macy's, I mean they were, they used to be one of my clients in my prior one of my prior lives. Um, the, the thing we would do is we would want to segment that customer base and understand who is going into Macy's today. So we mm-hmm. could at least capitalize on that and make sure we're getting the, f- the full yield there. But it, 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 it's, it's much more than having Macy's.com and having free shipping, yeah. right? which, is, which is what people are going to think, oh, I don't have free shipping or two-day shipping like Amazon does. Uh, and my products can't compete with that. You have to start selling, think through selling the, I mean, we go back to this sell the experience. I go to Macy's. If I go to Macy's, I'm looking for things and I want to be surprised by things. If I'm going to go buy something, typically I'll be, uh, last time I was there, I was bought perfume for somebody and you really can't do that uh, online. I mean, you guess you can if you know exactly what you want. <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? I wanted to talk to somebody. I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a social experience. So uh, I don't think that it's a, a slam dunk for Macy's or, or any of these large brands like Nordstrom's, et cetera. I think it's an uphill battle. Yeah. But it's not a battle you want to give up. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think even retailer has to be more, um, they have to make it more like an adventure. You know, you have to walk into the store and feel like you're discovering something new that you can't just find online through just scrolling through pages. I, I also think the problem with stores like Macy's and Nordstrom, and I think we've talked about this on an earlier podcast, is that there was a point in time before social media where you would walk into Macy's and be like, holy shit, this is something new (laughs) that I just discovered and nobody else has this. But now because of online shopping, everyone has everything. So nothing feels like it's a unique product that you're buying somewhere. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is and how Macy's gonna solve the problem, but it's interesting that the buyers and and even the selection of products that they curate, you almost have to step up your game a little bit as Mm -hmm. well in that. Sean, jump in. So we have a comment from the audience. Hi, my name is Dio. Um, and I was just going to say that I online shop a lot. So my opinion on it is I think with some of the bigger brands like Nordstrom and Macy's, you kind of know what you're going to get when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like if I want something cool and different, I go online. I go on Instagram. I look at what people are wearing. Based on that, I'll buy something. And I think celebrities also have changed the game a lot. You know, you see someone wearing something, you go on there and you check out the website and you buy it. But a lot of times they're not wearing things from Nordstrom or Macy's. It's brands that are predominantly like on Instagram. So -hmm. I think Instagram has kind of made a really big like change in the retail game, I guess. Mm 
We visited, uh, we did a, on one of our retail podcasts, uh, we visited uh, Restoration Hardware. And it was a bricks and mortar. We went to their flagship store in New York City. And they have a very expensive furniture. So like this table, if it was at Restoration Hardware, would be $7,000, <laughs> right? This one probably, we work didn't spend that for this. But it was very expensive and it was a great experience. In fact, they had a bar in there and we bought glasses of champagne and walked around drinking champagne while we were sitting on the furniture and hanging out. But then they encourage you, after you find what you like, to go online and buy it. Really? Yeah, yeah so you don't really do anything in the store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except check it out. Yeah. yeah. And what they did is they recognized that th there's an opportunity here. Now go back to the Instagram. Mm -hmm. the, the reason that Nordstrom and Macy's isn't there is because they're not hiring celebrities and influencers to be there, mm -hmm. but they could. They could buy traditional ads, ad placement, the way that, you know, looking in the rearview mirror the way people did. Or they could be going and paying Kylie Jenner to post a picture of her wearing a Macy's outfit. And I guarantee you, if they paid her $250,000, which is what she would probably charge to have, take a selfie of her wearing a Macy's outfit, that that Macy's would probably get that all back in the next week. Yeah. Right? But, but the people making the decisions about where to pay... Kylie Jenner, $250,000 to do that at Macy's are probably not familiar mm -hmm. with that payback. But would you guys disagree with me that if she did that, they would probably get oh, a boost? I, I totally agree. And not only that, like uh, what's going to happen is that when she's going to post that picture, all her followers are going to go on the page on the North, for example, on the Macy's page. And from the Macy's page, they're going to go on the website. And what's going to happen is that the Facebook pixel, which is basically like kind of like a customer tracker, is going to track every one of these single individuals. And you know what? Maybe like five or 10 percent of the follow of her followers will buy something. But what happened is that all these uh, individuals that actually went onto the website, they're going to get retargeted with Macy's ads. And uh, Macy's knows exactly, the Facebook pixel tells you exactly what you're looking at, uh, how long are you looking at it, and they'll retarget you with the same ad. And then you're like, how, like, how, how did they know exactly like what I want? Yeah. And it's, and it, it's just, uh, it's really a retargeting game. So this goes back to the, the, to the Macy's conversation. Yeah. You know, to me, it's really a, a new offensive playbook. Mm -hmm. We're in a new space. New tools, new capabilities are out there around understanding our customers and, and what we need to do. And our argument would be, you've got to update your offensive playbook yeah. up to and including considering Kylie Jenner for an advertising campaign versus buying traditional print or media advertising. Another question, Sean, from the audience? Yeah. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm just going to uh, go back to what you mentioned earlier, where you said that companies should allocate a specific budget and just focus on building brand value. Because mm -hmm. I'm a PPC specialist, and I work with a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. And we have to face it. At the end of the day, budget will always be limited, right? So mm -hmm. how do we find a balance between building a brand value and looking at long term and also getting an ROI for the clients or the companies? Mm, that's a good question. Um, okay, so I just want to really understand your question. How how do we basically allocate a budget to like they want to get an ROI, but they also want to build their brand? Exactly. Um, well, look, depending on the budget, um, let's just say that the budget could last you six months. I think it's it's very. Uh, we really have to be really upfront with the with the customer and just tell him like, listen, if for the first 90 days, I need to know exactly who your customers are. I need to know exactly what your customers like, and I need to know exactly what your customers like to see. And if for those first 90 days, you can't incur that small loss to then gain, you know, a big gain for like the next nine months of, the, of, of your fiscal year, um, 
then we can do business together. And I would really, I would just really break it down to that because it's the same thing as, um, you know, they, they built up their store and they had to, you know, uh, buy furniture and they had to, you know, renovate. They're putting all this money and they're only going to see the returns uh, months after. And it's the same, it's the same strategy uh, when you're actually going online. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we advise clients on the whole thing. It just, what, you're, what you're basically asking is the balance between long and short term, right? So a brand, a brand investment is a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. And I would say in, in general, when we work with large S&P 500 clients, they have, they have brand departments, right? So mm -hmm. if you use their logo in the wrong way or the wrong font they, or the <laughs> wrong color shade or whatever, they get, there's people out there like the brand police. But in general, people are starting out new brands. Uh, I, I would dissuade people from making too much of an investment in new brands early on until you have a viable business. So it, it really determines where you're at on the spectrum mm -hmm. because you can, if, if, a lot of new ventures are not gonna be successful. But, and, that, and that's perfectly fine, by the way. You gotta try things and new things, new, new ideas. And then the brand sort of comes out of that. And then once you get it going, then you wanna invest enough in the same way you would water a plant. Right. Right, so I, I do a lot of things, the seeds germinate. Once they germinate and show things, then I wanna take care of it. But I don't wanna spend a lot of money until they germinate and thing, get things going. So to me, it really boils down to where you're at in the life cycle of that, of that, of that company or brand and the balance between long and short term. Absolutely. Well, this is good. Yeah. We, 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 we're going we're gonna to keep this down. I think we've got about 30 minutes here. This is, we do these uh, podcasts. This is our second or third one we've done on location. We, uh, we want to thank our special guests here tonight, and, and thanks, Salvatore, to hosting us here. It's uh, a companion meetup group from New York. We, uh, uh, we feel welcome here to be in San Francisco, and if you guys are in New York, uh, please look us up. Follow us on our meetup group. Uh, as well as we have a discussion group and you can go to our podcast on iTunes or, or SoundCloud. You can always see us on our website, but we thank everybody for being here. And again, I'll just leave you with this. We're in a new realm for retail and uh, things are, are, are still changing. And, and our encouragement, we, we would be the last ones to say we have all the answers. And what we do with our clients and what we'd encourage to do with you people in our conversations is to step back and ask the right questions. Right? We, I, don't know, I'm not, I don't know all this stuff, and we, won't, we don't purport to do that, but a new playbook is required. It requires us to have open discussions without preconceived notions, and that's gonna drive more likely to have success. So we look forward to hearing more from you guys in the future, and we wish everybody the best of luck in their pursuit of a better e-commerce and retail strategy. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Karen Bajwa. Thanks for checking out the show today. If you like what you heard, head on over to our website, rumjog.com. If you happen to be in the New York or New Jersey area, come check out our meetup called Digital Disruption. We cover topics like you heard today with a live audience. Lastly, don't forget to follow us on social media using the handle at rumjog. Talk to you soon.